Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Inside Clemson Football with Levon Kirkland. Coming up, Levon and I will talk about the Heisman Trophy race, which was given out last night to Alabama's Devontae Smith. Also, we'll discuss Trevor Lawrence's place in the Heisman Trophy as he finished second in the race. And we'll also break down Trevor Lawrence's career at Clemson and tell you why he leaves Clemson as one of the greatest players of all time. We'll also, unfortunately, have to discuss the Sugar Bowl debacle. Boy, we were both wrong on that one. But before we do all that, the NBA and college basketball seasons are back. The NFL playoffs are right around the corner. With all these things going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, I bring in uh, my good friend Levon Kirkland. Levon, man, how are you doing today, buddy? Uh, I tell you what, man, today did not turn out the way I thought it would. If you, um, I think it's hard for anybody to ignore right now what's going on in the Capitol building, and it's um, for me, it's disturbing to know that. Uh, I have nothing against protests, but when you talk about breaking in the Capitol building, which seems to be a very sacred building, it's, it's disturbing that this is going on at this point in time now. So, man, you just, you just got to say some prayers, man. <laughs> you know, you just got to just hope that our country can come back together because we're clearly divided. And it really, you would think uh, in the 21st century, it would be much better. But we're still far behind because we, we've held on to some old traditions that, that needs to be broken. I mean, it, it's heartbreaking to see this. It really is. It's, you, you never think that kind of violation would go on. It's just, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it right now. Uh, just sort of heartbreaking, kind of in awe, if you will. Like, this is something you, you see at other countries, but not in America. You know, it seems like we always kind of, despite the differences all of us might have, we always come together as a country and, and work through it. But right now, that's not going on. And it's, uh, I think you described it best. It's disheartening. It's, um, you know, it's sad, um, if you will. And uh, all you can do is pray and, and hope that um, our, our lawmakers and congressmen and people can get together and, and, pres- and new president and, and just kind of get together and say, look, we got to start coming together as a country. I don't care what your opinion is on certain right. views or what it is. We got to learn to start coming together. And, and, and it brings me to the other day, I saw two pictures that really kind of, and I wanted to tweet them, but I didn't because, because, you know, you're afraid of whatever you tweet or write over to do, people are going to get offended, right? Yeah. You know, you just, right. you're going to make somebody, you're going to offend somebody. But there was a picture of Justin Fields and James Skowski after the uh, Sugar Bowl the other night. And we all know what mm-hmm. happened in that game when Skowski had that bad hit and some people thought it was dirty or whatever. But you saw those two young men hugging and coming together and there was nothing personal there. They could see that they respected each other and that there was some genuine respect and love for each other. And it, and it was, it was great to see. Then a couple of days later, he saw the Pittsburgh Cleveland game at the end of the game. And we all know what happened last year with Mason Rudolph and miles Garrett. You saw a picture of those two guys coming together and, and, and talking right. and, uh, and actually, you know, Mason's going to call him later this week. He may have already done it right to kind of talk some more about, all that went on last year. So those two guys are trying to heal whatever happened last year, what was said or whatever happened. We saw Justin Fields and and Skowski, 
show sportsmanship and, and, and respect and stuff like that for themselves. And I'm like thinking to myself, if these guys can forgive and forget, why can't the rest of us, right? Why, why can't the mm. rest of us act the way those young men act? Let's follow those four young men's lead because that's how right. you're supposed to act. You know, even yeah. if you don't agree, that's how you're supposed to act. And you know, we've been through elections before. We've, we've changed presidents over and over. And it's never been this kind of hostility toward that. And I think that's the troubling thing that I don't mind you voting for whoever you want to vote for. But at the end of the day, when the election is over and we have a clear winner, we all have to deal with it. We all have to live with it. And if we don't like it in the next four years, guess what? We can vote against that. Mm-hmm. Whether you voted for him the, them the first time or not, it's not like we haven't been through an election before. It is always a winner. It is always a loser. But just like those those young men you talk about, they dealt with it and they moved forward. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. Um, that's why I love the game of football and I love sports because you can have bitter rivals. And I, I played against the Broncos when we lost in the AFC championship and it hurt me to the core, but the first person to come up to me was Shannon, um, Shannon Sharp. Mm-hmm. And I congratulated as happy as he was and as sad as I was, I still respected them enough to understand that, Hey, it was fair. They won. We lost. You just have to get over it. And it just seems like we're hanging on to something that, apparently none of the courts can find any wrongdoing mm-hmm. and we, we need to let, we need to let it go and move forward. Amen, man. You can't, I can't say it better myself. Just need to move forward. And, and, you know, it kind of takes us into where we'll get going here and we'll talk about the, what happened, unfortunately, in the, in the right. sugar bowl here in a little bit, that wasn't a, a good day for, Neither one of us, <laughs> as we will both admit we were wrong in our, in our in our assessment of that game, but we'll get to that in a second. But want to start off with um, the Heisman Trophy was awarded last night. Um, you know, Smith for uh, Alabama, uh, Devontae Smith for Alabama, the wide receiver, became the first wide receiver since 1991 to win the Heisman Trophy, uh, beating out Clemson's Trevor Lawrence, uh, who finished second in, in the voting. Um, and so... I wanted to get your kind of your raw thoughts and opinions on that. Um, we're just me and you are less than 24 hours removed as we record this podcast from it. Your thoughts on, on Trevor coming in second in the Heisman trophy voting. Well, I, I think with Trevor coming in second, it really kind of gives you a idea of what kind of player that most people thought he was. And we can make it very clear. I, I, I mean, congratulations to Vontae Smith. I mean, it's awesome to win a Heisman Trophy, especially a wide receiver where it's normally not won. And I thought he really put the uh, icing on the cake with his, his game in the Rose Bowl, Bowl. I thought he played excellent. And he's deserving of the Heisman Trophy. Uh, with Trevor coming in second, I think it really tells you a lot about what people thought about Trevor and his play. Uh, honestly, what really caused him probably the Heisman, well, not even probably the Heisman, what caused it? Because he missed two games. Mm-hmm. And those two games were crucial for him. And nothing in the, nothing in the Sugar Bowl really gave you um, that he should have won. So it, he's probably the, he's the best player in college football. But missing those two games and not having a great game in the Sugar Bowl basically caused him the Heisman Trophy. And, but I think Trevor, you know, he always – he handled it with class, like always. And this guy is I, – I really I really feel that he's going to have a great pro career. Um, he's going to go to – he's going to go to a team where he's going to help build. Uh, he's too good of a prospect if you're a GM not to build around him. You've got to build around him. And you've got to get the right GM. And you've got to get the right coach. Everybody's on the same page because this guy – has the ability to lead you to that Super Bowl and win that Super Bowl. This is this is the kind of player that he is. And hopefully, you know, things got to go right for him. And think, you know, he, they got to surround him with some some great talent. And not only that, front office, head coach, 
They all got to be right. And they all got to have the same vision and mission. If they do that, I see Trevor having a very successful career. Yeah, I don't think – I don't have any issue with Devontae Smith winning the Heisman Trophy at all. I really don't. I mean, he had a great year. Numbers were unbelievable. He made he made one catch in that Sugar Bowl where he just kind of climbed the ladder over the middle. And I've yeah. never seen, including New Hopkins, somebody jump that high in my life. I mean, it was unreal, that catch he made. Um but, you know, with that, I'm with you. I think he lost the Heisman Trophy not playing those two games, especially uh, mm-hmm. playing uh, – missing the Notre Dame game the first time. Um, I right. think if, if he plays that game um, and Clemson obviously would have won it, Clemson would have probably stayed number one in the country, let's be honest. I mean, let's go back and let's think about – you know, we kind of joked at the beginning of the year, the only thing that could cost Clemson a Heisman Trophy is COVID – I mean, excuse me, a national championship and Trevor the Heisman Trophy – was COVID-19. Yes. And it, 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 it be in reality, LeVon, you can make an argument that that's accurately what happened because Trevor Lawrence gets COVID-19. He misses those two games. It was without a doubt it cost him the Heisman Trophy. And what was the ramifications of those, especially the losing the Notre Dame game? Well, Clemson fell from number one in the polls, mm-hmm. basically lost that number one spot they probably would have been in in the college football playoff, which means they wouldn't have played Ohio State in the first game which means right. they probably would have played maybe an easier team if they're the one seed, probably a team that maybe they could beat um, that's sitting there at number four, whether it would have been Texas A&M or whoever, Florida or whoever. It would have been a team you would think Clemson would probably win. It wouldn't be as a difficult game as playing Ohio State was. Alabama right. and Ohio State would have to play each other. And so then at Clemson, do you beat Ohio State after what we saw the other day? Probably not. But then you yeah. got at least a better shot because Ohio State would be the more beat-up team then Clemson would right. be maybe in that scenario. And maybe we don't know what would happen if that happens. So, yes, in a way, in a strange way, you look at it, COVID-19 cost Clemson two things this year. It cost them, obviously, the national championship, um, I think, because they lost that number one spot. And then it cost Trevor Lawrence the Heisman Trophy. And so it's disappointing because, you know, we do remember when Deshaun lo- uh, lost the Heisman Trophy. We thought, okay, would anybody ever – get back there for Clemson again will be in that situation and lo and behold Trevor Lawrence comes along and you get in that position you think okay this is maybe the shot for Clemson to get a Heisman Trophy winner finally and it doesn't happen again and so now we're sitting there thinking okay will they ever get a chance again now we'll see you know they got this guy named DJ Uyangale who I think is going to be pretty special talent I think he's going to do some things and put up some numbers We'll see if DJ has that opportunity with that time comes. But uh, unfortunately for Clemson and Trevor Lawrence last night, you know, just didn't work out, man. And uh, But I w- I'll be honest, Lamont, I was surprised to see him number two in the Heisman ring. Right. Um, and he was mm-hmm. a solid number two. I mean, he got like 100 more first-place votes than Mac Jones at Alabama. So he was a solid number two pick for the Heisman Trophy. That surprised me because I thought Mac Jones would get – a few more because of the numbers he put up um, and all the talk they were having at Mac Jones. So it's good to see that there were voters out there, LeVon, that paid attention and really, really saw that Trevor Lawrence, you know, probably, as you said, was the best player in the country. He just, at that point, didn't have the best season, and that's why they gave it to Devontae Smith. Yeah, I I agree with your assessment on that as far as, you know, COVID and what I think, but I know that it cost Trevor Lawrence. I mean, missing those two games was no doubt the reason why he didn't win it. And like you said, if he would play those two games, I think there's no doubt he would have won it. And that's because, quite frankly, he's the best player in the country. And I think the reason why he got second place is people re- recognize that although he missed two games, and usually that would be a that would be a killer for most people that were trying to win a Heisman for him. It's <laughs> for him. It didn't affect him as much. And the second place vote, I was like, wow. Okay. But then I think about it. I'm not as surprised because if you look at his, if you look at his work and I'm not, I'm not even talking about this year. If you look at his work and what he did, I mean, you can tell that the guys, I mean, he's just poised, man. He's just, he's just that guy. And and, but I but I also want to state this, man. If you're Clemson Tiger and you followed this team like we followed the last three years, man, 
missing a talent like Trevor Lawrence and understanding that, man, it's going to be hard to replace that guy. But a lot of times I think the Heisman works out when the favorite doesn't win, when it's a guy that comes out of nowhere and, and wins it. So, man, it's just, you know, Clemson just can't really seem to buy a break when it comes to the Heisman. Uh, I think at one point in time they may get somebody winning. You never know. But, yeah, I, I feel bad because I, I really want Trevor to win that Heisman. But I have no I have no beef about who won the Heisman. I thought I thought he had an excellent year. So uh, you can't really dispute that. But, yeah, man, um, that's a class act, though. If you, you think about Trevor, it's a class act, and you just wish him well. And you know he's going to do very well when he goes to the next level. And and with that said, talking about going to the next level, he announced today, it's Wednesday as we record this podcast, that he is uh, does indeed, as no surprise to none of us, intend to uh, declare himself eligible for the 2021 NFL draft. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the video, LeVon, that he put together, but I thought it was very nicely done. Um, oh, yeah. I saw it. Yeah, and the Clemson people, I'm sure Clemson video helped him do it. Um you know, to me, that video kind of tells you the kind of guy he is. And the first thing he said was in that video was, I want my legacy not to be about who I am as a football player, but about who I am I am as a person and right. the way I conducted myself at Clemson. And that, that, that tells me a lot about his character as a young man. And if I'm an NFL GM and, and, and president coach, and I'm looking at that guy and I'm seeing – that kind of character where he's more he wants people to know him for his character and his personality and who he is as a person more than the statistics and the touchdowns and the national championships. It tells me that's a guy I want to be quarterback in my football team because he's going to take that and pass that along to that locker room is going to be going to show some leadership. Yeah, I think there's no doubt if you were writing a story about what kind of quarterback you would like in your locker room, if you were doing not only the physical talents, but the intangibles. I think Trevor Lawrence would be the kind of kind of your ideal guy. Uh, he he not only can he throw the ball, he has a great arm. Um, he's intelligent enough to understand defenses. He can run. He's a tall guy. He's a tough guy. He's a tough guy. Uh, and then also, he's a good guy. And that's not always the case to have one guy who's basically it's a total package and he's a total package. And I, I met him when he was in high school. He was um, a junior at the time and he was a class act even then. So for a guy to not let all the hype get to him and still be able to maneuver with all this glam all this fame that he's going to have is tremendous. And you probably, I can see watching that video that you understand why he was so revered with his roommates and his teammates. And then, you know, you have a major issue that comes to, that comes about in American history and he's one of the leaders of it. Uh, that to me really impressed me about Trevor. Because a lot of guys wouldn't want to deal with that mm -hmm. or they would just shy away from that topic. But he didn't. And he was like, I'm with my brothers. I mean, that took a lot of guts to say that. <laughs> it wow. really did. I don't think people realize that that took a lot of guts. I mean, he's an amazing player, no doubt about it. But his his character, his personality, I think is a no-brainer for a team. If you're going to pick him, I think it's no-brainer. You shouldn't really, <laughs> you shouldn't really get too much into your head space and think about this one. You know, when hey, when you're 15 minutes and you got the first draft, you got the first pick of the NFL draft, you should know. Especially if you need a quarterback, you should know that Trevor Lawrence is probably your guy. You know, I, although I know they'll do their due diligence, I, I think it's a no-brainer. And I think that's the reason why he's in the position that he's in. And 
I just wish him I wish him the greatest luck. I think uh, he'll go down as probably Clemson one of Clemson's greatest quarterbacks. And I was a Deshaun Watson guy. You know, I thought we would never I didn't know we would ever get better than that. But it goes to show you that, you know, you can always get better, you can always improve. And you bring in right after Deshaun, an all-timer, and then you bring in Trevor. And he just really just went beyond expectations. He really has. And so I think you have to – you know, it's kind of funny. I had this guy who was on Facebook, and he said he was overrated today. It's just some fanboy. And he was like, oh, he's overrated. And I was like, tell me why you think so. I mean, because a lot of times people would make statements and they could not tell you why. Can't they cannot say why he's overrated. So I asked him, so tell me, why is he overrated? Just a simple question. And I guarantee that guy has not texted me back <laughs> or not <laughs> post back why he thinks he's overrated. Because if you have an objective eye, I don't care if you root for another team. You got to admit when a good player, a good player is a good player. It doesn't matter. There's some players in South Carolina you may not like rooting for South Carolina, but they've had some tremendous players. And the only thing you can do is say, "Hey, man, that guy's good." So for someone to say like, "Oh, he's overrated," when has he been overrated? Mm-hmm. I mean, answer the. What makes you say he's overrated? Give me some valid reasons why. And I guarantee you that guy can't come up with any valid reasons why Trevor Lawrence is one of the best quarterbacks that have ever played in the NCAA. He had one bad game his entire career college. One. Because he didn't have a bad game against um, Ohio State the other night. It was the no. defense, and we'll get into that in a second. But right. he didn't He didn't have a bad game the other night. And so, you know, when I, when I look at, you know, the question is, you know, what is Trevor Lawrence's legacy? And I'm glad you kind of brought Deshaun up. And we probably got all off season to talk about, you know, who you take Deshaun or Trevor. That's already kind of starting on our message boards on the clips and insider.com. Mm-hmm. And everybody has their own opinion. Like you said, you know, I'm like you, I, I'm the Deshaun Watson guy. I mean, cause <laughs> there's just something about number four. That's just different. Um, but, yeah. um, but you know, this is not about Deshaun Trevor. This is about Deshaun had his own legacy at Clemson. And that was his legacy. And this is Trevor's legacy. And when I look at Trevor's legacy, you know, I look at a couple of things and you mentioned one of them, you know, he didn't have to do the things he did. First of all, in the off season, he didn't have to be the guy that got up and got in front of the black lives matters movement. He didn't have to do that, but he did. He chose Mm -hmm. to get up there and do it. He chose to be with his brothers. He didn't have to speak up and say, you know, the uh, we want to play movement. He didn't have to be the first guy to speak up and do it, but he was. Trevor Lawrence played a big role, probably the role, in why college football was able to roll through this season. Um, And he was right up in front of that, but he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to play this year. LeVon, he's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Everybody knows it. He he could have opted out and said, you know what, I'm going to opt out. I'm going to get ready for the draft. I'm not going to take a chance of getting this virus, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't do that. Because he loves to get play the game of football first. And then he loves his teammates and he loves his school and he loves everything about the game of football. And he wanted to play and he did that. And so when I look at Trevor Lawrence's legacy, that's the first thing I see is a guy who was very unselfish, very right. unselfish. And um, you, in, in a day, an age where we got a lot of selflessness going on in mm-hmm. football and other sports, it was refreshing to see a young man not be selfish, selfish like that. And so that's the first thing I think of. Then I think of, you know, this guy was a winner, but not just the fact that he's a winner, but he was a winner in a classy way. Like, you know, he never was a look at me kind of guy, all that. He was very reserved in the way he handled it. And uh, a lot like Deshaun, if, if, you know, I mean, those two guys are very similar in that. No high, not too high, not too low. They're pretty much the same all the way through in everything they do. And I'll remember that for him. Um, and then the fact, man, there's only three guys that have done this. Only three quarterbacks in the history of Clemson football have won a national championship. Homer Jordan, 1981, who I have a ton of respect for. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Deshaun Watson, who did it in 2016, who I have a ton of respect for, and Trevor Lawrence, who did it in 2018, and I have a ton of respect for. Those are the three guys in their own little fraternity, if you will, that right. have won, that have led their Clemson teams to a national championship. And those are the reasons why, when I look at his legacy, that's why he's one of the greatest all-time players in Clemson history. Not just the greatest quarterback, but one of the greatest all-time players in Clemson history for what he did on and off the field. And those are the things that I think Clemson fans should remember Trevor Lawrence for as, they, as he goes forward in his career. And there's no doubt they will because we all know how loyal Clemson fans are. And uh, they'll follow him in his career. And the funny thing is, man, if he goes to Jacksonville, which looks like he could happen, right, he'll be playing Deshaun Watson twice a year. What is wow. Clemson fan going to do? Who are they going to yeah. pull for? <laughs> yeah. That will that will be that would definitely be something. But I, I really feel that when you think about Trevor, man, it's got to be all good things. This guy was a class act in everything he did. He he was a competitor too, man. This guy played hard. I'm glad you brought and that up. It, I left that out. Yeah, you know, because you know, it, it would have been some guys would have been like, you know what? There's no way I'm going to play this year and mess up my draft status. Some guys would have took that, and they would not. They would have not have played. And for him, especially at the quarterback position, because I know everybody's telling him so much what he has to lose. But for him to say, no, nah, I'm going to play. I'm going to come back. That says a lot. And I know a lot of players would do that. But for him, you you know, a lot of people are probably playing the devil's advocate and saying, wow, he has so much to lose. He just just sit out. For him to go out there and still play, man, I mean, I thought it was a tremendously brave. And not just because I'm a Clemson fan. I would have rooted for that guy no matter what he played for. Because at the end of the day, you know, I, I was a student athlete, too, and I root for the student athlete. I really do. So to see him in the manner where he carried himself was just outstanding. I think it's a, it's a model for a lot of guys to follow. And, you know, you hope and pray that you continue to get players of that caliber into your program. I totally agree. And, and another thing that showed his, his competitive drive and I left this out and it's kind of kind of spill into our next topic was he could have midway through the third quarter, just went over to coach Sweeney in the sugar bowl and said, Hey coach, I got to think about my future. I'm, I'm out. I'm tapping out, you know, right. um, my career, my career's over. I'm tapping out. We're not going to win this game, but no Levant, he was out there competing his butt off. And he said in the post game, he believed up until that interception in the fourth quarter, that they still were going to win the football game. He right. still believed that. And that's the competitor in him. That's the guy who was leading your team. That's the guy who wasn't giving up. Even when maybe all the fans were at that point and like, well, it's over. You know, he wasn't, you know, and because he wasn't, his teammates weren't. And they were all playing hard and they were going after it and trying to win that game. And so, you know, that tells you something about him too, that in that game when things weren't going right, he still stayed with it and did everything he could to try to lead his team to a victory, even when they just as a team weren't having a a good game. And that kind of flows into the Sugar Bowl, my friend, which Ooh. I admitted earlier that I was very wrong in my pick coming in. Um, I just – I wasn't even close. I mean, they – Ohio State just stunned me, um, the way they controlled both sides of the line of scrimmage in that football game. What say you? Oh, Yeah. Ohio State did a tremendous job of uh, being the aggressors. It's almost like this, and I have to give Brinston Buckner credit for saying this. It's like Clemson came to play a football game and Ohio State came to fight. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the way they played. They played tremendously aggressive. They were determined that they were going to win this game no matter what, and that's what they did. You know, the last few years, you know, Clemson has basically owned Ohio State, outclassed them, outtalented them, just played better than Ohio State. But this time, Ohio State was determined to play better. And as the game goes on at first, you're thinking, okay, Clemson has control of this game. It's just going to be like any other game. 
But the funny thing about football or any kind of sport, it's a law of momentum. And that second quarter was the quarter that I think Ohio State just took the momentum. And in a football game or any kind of sport, when you don't stop, when the momentum is going against you and you don't stop that momentum, it can snowball very quickly Mm -hmm. and become an avalanche that you just can't control. And that's exactly what happened with Clemson. They got in a situation where they didn't stop the bleeding. They didn't score. They didn't make stops. And when you do that, you're asking for a world of hurt. And there was nothing that they could possibly do about it. It was really, it was, um, they just, they just, it was nothing. I mean, everything was going right for Ohio State. And everything was going wrong for Clemson. And it's just one of those funny things that you can't really explain fully in sports. You know, we were right in our assessment going in and what the information that we had, mm-hmm. you know, you take the information that we had and we felt like we made the right assessment. But the thing that you can't really put a thumb on or you can't really predict is the momentum of the game and the ebb and flow in which it goes. And they got so much momentum in that second quarter that it was just a snowball effect. You play that game again, and I can almost guarantee you it won't be the same results. Or it probably, if Ohio State win, they probably won't win in that fashion. Mm-hmm. But that law of momentum, man, it's just that Clemson never controlled the law of momentum, and it just snowballed. It just really ran us over. And I've been in those games before where it is nothing you can do to stop them. It's like every break goes for them. They get the first down. When it's third and 15, they get the first down. Are they break tackles? It's a mystic kind of thing that happens. And I feel like you know, Ohio State, man, they had a lot on the line. They had a pride on the line. And they just made up in their minds that they were not going to lose this game. And there was absolutely nothing that Clemson can do. And also, they just had a bad, bad game on defense. The defense, in my opinion, just did not play well. And that's surprisingly that's surprising for Brent Benable's team that the defense doesn't play well. They usually kind of hold up if they're not – really, really good, but, you know, it's some of the things that we might have talked about in the shadows. You know, this team doesn't always tackle well. Mm-hmm. Um, this team is not really all that physical up front sometimes. You know, they're young. All that came to a head in the Sugar Bowl, and the results is what you got. The thing that really caught me off guard in this game was the physical – you knew Ohio State had the edge, their defensive line against Clemson's offensive line. You knew that right. going in. Clemson's offensive lines had issues all year. They were getting better, but you but you knew they were still not where Ohio State was defensively up front. Um, so you knew that was a miss, not I want to say a mismatch, but a matchup issue for Clemson. What I didn't expect, LeVon, and what totally caught me off guard was the sheer beating Clemson's defensive t- line took in that football game. Mm-hmm. I've never seen – I, I've never seen – I haven't seen in a long time where Clemson was just physically manhandled up front on the right. defensive side of the ball. They were manhandled. There's nothing else to say about it. You can't make any excuses. They got their butts kicked. That's exactly yeah. what happened. And, you know, it, it was everybody. It was Tyler Davis. It was Brian Brzee. It was Miles Murphy. It was Niles Pickney. It was – Everybody, K.J. Henry, um, Justin Maskell, they all got their butts kicked. They were out-leveraged. They were out-hustled. They were out-everything. And that stunned me because because they were beat so bad up front, the back end had no shot. And, 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 and not, not because they were, first of all, all over the place. I don't know where they were. I mean, it's like they hadn't seen pass routes. Like, what was Darian Kendrick doing with his hips? What, it's, like, it's like he's never went to a football camp or anything to know how to play the cornerback position. I mean, well, I mean what was he doing, right? I mean, it was well, – he was awful well, in that game. 
a lot of times I, I think what happens in football games and sometimes players is that we talked about this before, when you make the game bigger than what it is. And a lot of times what it comes down to is reading your keys and using your fundamentals. Mm -hmm. The game basically comes down to those one-on-one matches and it comes down to being able to play your position to the very best and doing the basic stuff you do in practice. That's why, and I know it sounds like coaching talk, but that's why, man, when you practice, you got to practice like you're going to be playing the game. Mm -hmm. Because when you play in that game, you can't just turn it on and off. You just can't do it. And so you can see that maybe there were some bad practice habits going on. Guys looking in the backfield when they got a guy man-to-man. Guys not turning their hips when that receiver is breaking down their, their cushion. It's the small things that really come back to bite you in that game. And you can tell that guys were just abandoning their technique or whatever they were taught to trying to do their own thing, trying to make plays. And a lot of times you just have to take a breather and you have to refocus on what gets you there. And honestly, I think this is a great lesson for Clemson's defense because you hear all the time about being five stars and being athletic. But what the game comes down to, and you know this will, it comes down to being physical and it comes down to doing the little things and doing the right things. Making sure if you're a defensive end that you're looking at the tackle blocking down. You're understanding what he's trying to do to you. If you're a defense, that you're understanding the pattern, what they what they want. This guy runs low. This guy's running high. Understanding that, you know, you don't bite on any shallow routes. You make sure you're in depth, especially in a zone concept. So I really feel that this will be a great lesson, and they can learn from this game what you have to do against a great team every single game that you can't listen to the line. You can't listen to Vegas as a player. We can listen to Vegas, but as a player, you have to understand that when you're going against another team, that's a really good team that you got to respect them and you got to play like they're going to have to kill you to beat you. Mm -hmm. That's the mentality that you have to play in. And I'm not quite sure that the Tigers really bought into that. I think they bought into this is Ohio State. We beat them before. You know, we're we're five-star guys or whatever the case may be. That all that that success that they, you know, they've had in the past, they thought that, hey, I'm going to just go on the Clemson jersey and we're good. And that wasn't the case, especially against a very hungry, determined Ohio State team. You, you did not match their um, intensity. And that's why it looked as bad as it did. Yeah, it, it, and it did. I mean, the safeties looked lost. I mean, we knew Nolan Turner not being in there was going to be a factor in that first half, and it was. Um, I didn't realize it would be that bad. I mean, those guys just looked like they never played college football before. I mean, I mean, it's just – they were just – like you said, they're peeking in the backfield. They're not staying in their assignments. And it had to be frustrating for the coaching staff uh, uh, over there to watch that because you know those coaches are better than that. You, you would think Dabo and, and Brent and all those guys, you know, Mickey Kahn, the safeties coach, and, 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 and you know, Mike Reed, the DB's coach, that they had those guys coached up and ready to go. Um, and yeah. then for that, to, that kind of performance to happen, you know, I don't know, maybe they were in shock, LeVon, because, you know, maybe they were in shock because the defensive line was just playing so bad. It was just getting beat up so bad. Maybe they're like, okay, I can't believe this is happening. We're going to have to step up and make plays. Maybe that was it, and maybe that's that youth back there in the back end that caused that to happen. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to put my head around it because they just played so bad um, on that side of the ball that I, I said I said this on a radio show earlier this week. I thought that was the worst defensive performance by Clemson since that 2012 Orange Bowl against West Virginia. I really believe yeah. it was that bad. And, and the same thing happened with that game that happened in this game. One play or one drive or two drives, and it snowballed. And they couldn't really gather themselves and say, listen, okay, we're down by 14. Hey, 
we just gotta we just gotta make sure they don't score again. And that's gotta be your mentality. But I, this is what I always say, and I, I mean I don't I know I, I I don't coach or anything like that. But when I did coach and when I played, and what I noticed a lot of times is when you're looking for you're looking at everything, especially from a defensive standpoint. When your eyes are all over the place and you're trying to see everything, you see absolutely nothing. But when you keep your eye on your key, it tells you everything you need to know. When you, for example, I always say the defensive ends because I, you know, I'm a, I was the defensive end outside linebacker. And if I'm lined up on a tight end and a tight end is in front of me, I shouldn't be looking in the backfield. Mm-hmm. I need to be looking at that tight end because that tight end is either going to block down, he's going to try to reach me, or he's going to try to go out for a pass. So he tells me exactly what's going to happen because I always think this, they will do everything to try to mess with your eyes. But if you can key on that one thing that you need to key on, whether it's an office alignment or a wide receiver or whatever like that, it's going to help you. And you could tell that our eyes were all over the place. That the Clemson defense was, they were just trying to do things that that they shouldn't have been doing. That you're looking at something and you're overdoing it. Sometimes you need to break the game down very simply. You need to make it simple for you. So in defense, I just believe, this is what I believe. They're good. Every defense is a good defense. Every defense is a bad defense. You know what makes the difference? When you call a bad defense for that bad that formation, players, they make up the difference. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got as a coordinator, you just have to realize you have to realize that, hey, okay, I didn't make the perfect call, but hell, we're just gonna play. And I'm gonna let my athletes make plays. And I think that, and I'm not saying anything about Brent Billables. But I think everybody could be at fault on this one because sometimes you're trying to do the perfect thing. You're trying to match up the defense versus that offense. You want to put the right defense against their scheme. Sometimes just let them play. Just mm-hmm. like, listen, dude, I'm just going gonna, gonna to line you up. Beat that dude. You know, hey, uh, if the balls run outside, go outside and make the tackle. Make the play. Sometimes it's that. I know it sounds very simple and it's not very analytical and it's not very exy and ozy, but it's effective. I can tell you a play that happened against our defense when I was at Pittsburgh and I ended up making an incredible play, an incredible intercession against Buffalo. But guess what? That wasn't my guy. That was Chad Brown's guy. But guess what Chad did? Chad let him go. I took over for him and called an incredible interception. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes you're just making plays. You, you got to make sure that you're not so overloaded with information that it puts you out of position. As a safety, the number one rule is you don't let anybody get deep. You don't let anybody get deep. They're still running. They're still running oh, deep behind us. Yeah, that guy, when that guy is running as hard as he can, you better be backpedaling and getting deep because he's <laughs> going deep. Sometimes it's just that simple. And I think sometimes, we, you know, guys get caught up and try to be so smart and they're trying to be, you know, a cerebral guy. Everybody's not like that. Sometimes you just need to say, hey, listen, you got that guy. <laughs> Simple. You got that guy. Do not let him catch the ball. Or if you're safety, I don't care what happens in the game, make sure nobody gets deep on you. Yep. Sometimes it's that's you got the B gap. Take care of the B gap. Take care of the B gap. Do not let anybody in your B gap. You got contain, have contain. Mm-hmm. And so in that aspect, now 
Sometimes you can be, you can make the simplest call and let them fly around, and let them play. But I think our guys, you know, when they got up two touchdowns in the second quarter, we I, I think we just lost it right there. Mm-hmm. I, I think we just lost it. And you only and you got to think about it. You're only down. Okay, you're down by two scores, but you got a Trevor Lawrence, and you got a you got an offense. So there's no ever any reason to panic and feel like you got to make a super, a Superman play. But like we talked about before, sometimes, man, in a game, and I know fans don't understand that, it just happens. Just they're playing well, you're not playing well, and the momentum just keeps rolling, and you're just like, when is this game going to ever be over? Because <laughs> it's just not your day. You and Clemson that. just picked a bad day to have a bad day. You say that, it's funny because we, me and you joke around all the time about business decisions, and um, you could just tell that those guys at the secondary when they saw Trey Sermon coming at them, that they're all like, they are Kendrick, Nolan Turner. Um, they're making business decisions. <laughs> yeah, those guys were clearly making business decisions. They didn't want nothing it. to do with number eight. They wanted nothing to do with him. And I know I know, fans, be, you know, they'll be upset and stuff, but sometimes, man – you do make business decisions, man. You just do, you know. Um, it happens, especially when you talk about a hard runner like that, man, that uh, is determined. Sometimes you're going to like, okay, let me catch him on his side. And he was let me, running. Let me go for the ball. He something. was running through such wide yeah. open holes and coming with full speed at them. <laughs> you saw there's a couple plays where you can see Dan Kendrick's like, yeah, he just kind of tries to act like he's going to touch him, but. He didn't want nothing to do yeah. with it because that guy was running but, full speed because he was untouched. That's why, that's, why, that's why I say sometimes you got to make sure that you're doing the right things and you're seeing the right things, you know, because when you're having a running back coming downhill on your DBs, I mean, that's not usually a fair a fair matchup. So that means the defensive line and linebackers need to do their jobs mm-hmm. better than what they did. And, you know, I, I didn't really see Sermon just doing that well against Clemson, but – he did, man. I mean, like, when you don't tackle somebody, hey, I've gone against Barry Sanders and all those guys. We made that thing a team effort. Yeah. Hey, everybody get – hey, when Barry Sanders get the ball, everybody get to the ball, we all tackle them together. There's no need for <laughs> for us to have one-on-one matchups with Barry Sanders. That's not going to play. He's going to break you down and you're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, and, and, when, and when Sermon was there, man, and I'm telling you, man, this guy, I mean, he looked, he looks like he's a strong running back. He looked like Derrick Henry. And, I'll be honest. Yeah. If you don't make the, if you don't wrap up and make the tackle, he was going to run through it. And that's what he did. And we could not stop him. Uh, speaking of, you played linebacker. Okay. I got to ask you this question because I was stunned. And then this will be it for us um, talking about this game because I'm sure the Clemson fans just probably don't want to talk about it no more. But <laughs> this play, and I don't understand why Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet and them didn't make more about this. Okay, the targeting call on James Skowski. It's the first time in the targeting rule error that I've seen a guy ejected for hitting somebody in the midsection that was a runner. Now, I've seen defenseless players such as a wide receiver coming over the middle or quarterbacks behind the pocket and that happening. Never in the field of play when the guy is clearly the runner mm-hmm. and he's not a defenseless player, the, the defensive player get ejected for making a tackle hit to the midsection. I've never have you seen that before? I've never seen no, that. No, I, I've never seen it. It's usually toward the hit area where that call is normally made, but I thought it was targeting. I did. I thought it was targeting. Interesting. Because as a linebacker, I think you have to be careful with leading with your head. Now, the one thing I don't like about the targeting rule, um, especially when guys don't mean it, you know, it's just one of those plays that happen that they get tossed out the game. Yeah. You know what? Hey, make it where if it's a targeting rule that you you tack on 25 yards. I get that instead of just saying, okay, we're going to just throw this player out. And a lot of times it's incidental. It's the player does not mean to do, it. Mm-hmm. but it happens sometimes, you know, you're going in for a tackle. And in that moment of truth, a lot of times, man, you can't really slow down your momentum. You have to be careful. I, 
I don't agree with guys hitting with the talent ahead. I just don't. I just think this. I think it's more dangerous for the defensive guy. But, but I really think Skowski was going for the shoulder when he, he came. Was. If you watch, he's leaning with his shoulder, and he kind of makes contact with that shoulder first. I just that, think the the way Fields' momentum carried him, it made yeah. that play look worse than it actually was. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying too. That's why I don't think that players should be thrown out. Now, if a guy intentionally does it, then yeah, he's gonna he should be thrown out. Like well, our boy Ryan Clark like, did in that playoff right, game. Right. But when the guy is, you know, hey, he goes not ill intent or anything like that, man, just just march off 25 yards. Mm-hmm. Just march off. Give him a warning. Yards. If he gets another one, then he's ejected. Then he gets another one, then you're ejected. I mean, that's the more common sense thing to do. Mm-hmm. I feel. But uh, I thought, I mean, you know, normally it is to the head area that I think refs paid more attention to, but I thought he did kind of, um, his head did, you know, the crown did. I'm sure he didn't mean to do it, but that's kind of kind of what happened. I mean, that blow looked devastating, though. He, he rocked. Now, back in my day, you could do that. Oh, yeah. You could rock his, you could rock his world just like that. But I was always weary about leading with the with the crown of my head. I might have led with my face mask because that put my neck in a better position. But I never wanted to go my head down and hit a guy on the top of my head. I yeah. never wanted to do that. So and that was a play very similar to the hit Ryan Shazier had in the game that paralyzed him. Yeah. It was a very similar tackle. Um, there's a video out there where you can see the similarities of, of the of the tackle a little bit, how they both led with the head. And so very fortunate Skowski didn't have anything happen to him, you know, because of the way he tackled yeah, on that play. Because he could have hurt something on his body part because it was a collision. I mean, yeah. remember you could hear it because there's no fans there. You could hear the pop. And it really uh, sounded could, like Justin Fields broke a rib or two. It really did. Uh, you could, I, I really thought he did break a rib. I mean, like the way he got hit, I was like, man, uh, thank you. Thank God for the flat jack jacket because other than that he would have he would have busted his ribs open. So yeah, I mean, that's uh, a tough play for the Tigers, man. But I thought he did. I thought he actually, in my opinion, I thought it was a targeting. I thought it was. It's a shame he gets thrown out for that because I don't think it was meant to be ill. You know, it, it wasn't really mean to be. He wasn't trying to hurt in him in a bad way. Yeah, it, it wasn't. But and that's why I don't really I don't like the targeting call. Um, especially when a kid doesn't really mean to do it. I mean, given, I mean, this marks off 25 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's punishment enough, but to kick and get the kid out of game of that importance, I just don't think it, I don't think that's called for. Just like last year when Wade got that penalty against Trevor, when they called the targeting call, that kid, he didn't, I mean, he didn't go in there trying to do that. No. I really feel. You know, it's bad technique. You know, it's you just can't do it. But to kick him out of the game, I didn't think it was fair. Yeah. And I don't think kicking Skowski out of the game was really fair either. But I think as a player, man, you just have to understand that that's how the rule, the rule is. And also, for your safety's sake. Right. That you don't want to be tackling anybody with a crown on your head. And, you know, there's a <laughs> rugby shows you how to tackle, really. Mm-hmm. I think the rugby way of tackling is probably the right way of tackling. A lot of times you're not brought up that way, um, but I never wanted to hit on the top of my head because I knew what that could possibly be. Uh, it may be a big hit, but you may feel the blunt of that. So I just think players in the future, you just have to be careful of doing that. It's a better way of tackling. One way I think, you know, and it's not a total fix, but one way to maybe get around ejecting a player is if in like in the situation with James Skowski, if the officials on the field don't throw a flag for when it happened, because you know, a lot of times when they think it's a really bad hit, those guys would throw a flag immediately if they think there's intent there. Sure. So one way maybe to say, okay, we're just going to penalize them, but we're not going to throw them out because the guys on the field didn't view it in live motion because replay will show you different things. In live motion, they viewed it as a legal play. So Mm -hmm. if they're looking at it as a legal play in live motion with their own eyes, then you just say, okay, we're going to replay caught it, says it's targeting, we're just going to penalize them 25 yards, and we're going to move on. But the player isn't ejected from the game. 
Right. Because in that situation, Clemson had stopped them. It had been fourth and two. They would have to decide whether to go for it because they were kind of in no man's land at that point. Right. Instead, it's and, – and I think that's when the game was 14-14 or maybe 21-14 at the time. And instead, they're able to move 15 yards, plus Clemson's leader on defense is ejected from the game. And at that point, it was almost – sayonara it was over at that point from that from from a defensive standpoint for clemson um so because then you could tell they were just totally lost and you know out of place out of position whatever you want to say but i think yeah. that's one way to get around it though it's just like okay if the yeah, officials I, I like that suggestion yeah if the officials think it's that way they think it was good call a good play then then let's penalize them but keep the kid in the game yeah that's you know basically what i you know that's how i believe keep the kid in the game you know, if he does it again, then maybe he gets ejected from the game. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that a lot of these kids that get those calls, man, you know, a lot of times the runner may drop down on them or something like that, and now it's a little too late. And I just don't think a kid that's really trying to give an honest effort should be thrown out of the game. I just yeah. don't think – I don't care what team he's playing for. He shouldn't be thrown out of the game. I think you just don't want a kid to get seriously you know, so you just got to continue to really work on tackling and how to tackle. Because I mean, I'm a, I was like, God, man, Scousey could have really got hurt. That's all I was thinking. Like, mm-hmm. this guy could have broke his neck, and there's no reason for him to go in there and break his neck. Not I mean, that. make the tackle, <laughs> you know, but there's other ways to make tackles in on the crime of your head. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Dude, I can't believe it's been um, a whole season already, man. We just yeah. We just completed our first season with this podcast, man. And, and so now, uh, you know, it doesn't mean we're done. We're not. We, we, we're going to continue to go on through the year. And um, except for when we take vacations, obviously. <laughs> You're sure. not, yeah, yeah. But we'll figure a way to, to do something then during those times. But it's, uh, it's a vacation. What are you talking about? This <laughs> is a good yeah, point. This is, not, talking this is football. not work for me. Yeah, this is talking football. I love doing this. So. Yeah, so, yeah. But we're going to have some, uh, you know, try to do some different things and uh, try to get some um, – maybe some former players on to join us during the offseason, mm-hmm. kind of talk not only Clemson football, but some other things going on in the sport and things of that nature. We're going to keep it football-related, though. And uh, so – but, man, I can't believe it's already been one full football season here with Clemson football. Yeah. Man, this is crazy, man. This is – I can't believe – you know what we should do? We should get Coach Ford on here. How do you think he would handle doing Zoom and doing a podcast like this? How would Coach Ford handle it? I hope you have somebody else in there like Jennifer helping them <laughs> out doing Zoom – because I've interviewed older coaches before, and they have absolutely no idea. And most coaches, you know, I, I don't always believe it, but they swear they don't understand anything besides football plays. That, <laughs> you know, they just don't. They don't understand anything else besides the bubble they're in. So, yeah, it, it would be interesting to get Coach Ford in. You have to invite He'd have to either be at my place or your place. There's <laughs> no way that you're getting him to get in front of a, a computer screen and talk about Zoom. I might have so, to go. I might have to go over there, Levon, to his farm. You have to set place. up for him, and then come back to your place or be <laughs> just stay at your place and do it. I, I just don't see him doing a Zoom call. It's just yeah. That's gonna be tough. Hey, what I'll do is I'll tell him he can bring his beer in. He can crack drink his beer while he's while he's on the Zoom call. We don't care, right? At the at that point in time where he's at right now, you better buy him uh, a six pack of thirty four ounce beers because he may not do the interview unless you give him an incentive. So. That's, that's exactly right. Uh, well, I'll let you since you know him better than I do. I'll let you negotiate all that. <laughs> You know, sometimes, man, you know, even though uh, I'm a, a full-grown man, man, when you're talking to your head coach, man, there's still a little intimidation factor there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I talked to him, but, uh, you know, even my high school coach and, you know, Coach Kyra, still, you still kind of have a little bit of a, a, I don't know if it's fear, but you have a reverence from the man. And so with Coach Ford, man, it's a, it's a bunch of respect for him, so. Yeah. I have to probably bribe him a little bit to be on the show. <laughs> hey, I know full, you know, Hey, I'll tell you what though, with coach Ford, man, anytime I have called him for an interview, you know, he always says, Will, can you come out here to the farm and do it? I'm like, coach, I'm putting on my boots and I'm coming out, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wherever you're at, he's like, well, I'm going to be out in the cow field. So yeah, come over by the car. Hey, don't, don't put it, don't, 
bring your Air Force Ones there. You better get your old rubber boots or something like that because if you go on Coast Forest Farm, it's going to be a little messy. Yes, it is. That's why I told us. I said, I'm going to wear my boots. Don't worry about it, Coach. Yeah, don't wear any any Gucci or anything that you really value. Wear some Levi's, maybe some Wranglers. Maybe you know, some <laughs> boots and <laughs> T-shirt is all you need. Anything, that you, just, anything that you can throw in the trash can immediately and be okay with. <laughs> yeah. That's what you need to wear to the forest farm. I, I always laugh when they do the interviews. TV comes out there and they're wearing their suits and stuff. I'm like, guys, what are y'all doing? You don't yeah, do that with Coach Ford. You just got to come yeah. out with the – you got to wear blue jeans out there at your boots. You can't get, we can't risk getting dirty. That's, that's a rookie mistake when you go out to him, go out to his um, farm, and you're wearing your best suit. Yeah, because he's going to be back there with the cows. There's not one time that I haven't gone there that he isn't back there with his cows doing something. Yeah, man. <laughs> I went to his hemp farm before, and yeah. that still, even though it was plants, he was gritty and dirty, man. That's That's just the way he likes it, so – yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's good, Coach. I love Coach Ford, man. Like I said, like I told you this before, he reminds me of my stepfather, and so it's, it brings back good memories for me growing up. Oh, yeah, so it's always good to see Coach Ford for that reason. All right, Levon, man, one year in the books for us, but we're not done. We're gonna be back here next week with more uh, insight, talking Clemson football, and all that good stuff, man, with you. So, for Will Vandervoort, that's excuse me for Levon Kirkland. I'm Will Vandervoort. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, we'll. Uh, We'll talk to you next week on uh, Inside Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.